Hey there, Bulldogs, and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Tassel. This is your host, Carla Quintanilla. I am a marketing major at the sales class of 2021, and I am so delighted to be hosting this podcast with the purpose of reconnecting with our alumni and informing current students like you about the endless possibilities beyond college. Prepare to be inspired through the incredible stories of our alumni and learn valuable insights from their career journey. We are here to help you spark your career curiosity and encourage you to begin exploring your future possibilities. Now, without further ado, let's get started with this week's guest. Amanda Fabrizio Grisek graduated to sales in 2007 with a communications major. She then moved on to pursue her master's of education at Lehigh University in 2011 through 2013. She is now a director of development at Tennessee Technological University. And some of her strengths are annual funding, student philanthropy, communication, public relations, as well as event coordination and planning. And today we'll be spending some time speaking about communicating with different personalities, how philanthropy has affected the pandemic, as well as moving to Tennessee from the Lehigh Valley, and conflict management, as well as helping people. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. I don't know what time you're listening to this podcast, but we just want to welcome you back to another episode of Beyond the Tassel. Today, we do have one of our wonderful alumni, Amanda Fabrizio Grizek. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Carla. How are you doing? I'm doing so great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Well, Amanda, it's been a pleasure talking to you for the first time. Um, you know, I think it's been almost, I want to say two weeks. Just yeah, about. Time, yeah. time has been flying by. Um, I can't believe we're already like the end of March. It seems like this, is, this semester has flown by. Um, and again, we thank you for being here because uh, as time goes by for everybody, everybody gets busy. Everybody has, everyone seems to have adjusted to this new routine of work and life um, very quickly. And um, oh, I remember yes. like, you know, during <laughs> quarantine, it was so easy. No one, everyone was like still adjusting. So you can like just call and, and people would, you know, have some free time, right? But mm-hmm. uh, now mm-hmm. it's like, we're overcompensating uh, with all those new meetings. If that it's sense. a new normal. It's a, yeah. it's a different type of busy. It's a different type of busy rather than sure. like running around between buildings or meetings. It's like you have Zoom calls back to back to back and you can do yes. that because you can because you don't have to worry <laughs> no. about travel time or anything like that. Uh-huh. So I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. And um, even like one of the wonderful new platforms that we've learned to use one zoom obviously but my, the, one mm-hmm. of my favorite ones when it comes to time management is calendly like that's how mm-hmm. we you know that's how we schedule this meeting well and it's funny because a lot of the alums and donors that i work with they're just as busy if not more busy than i am so it's yeah. sometimes easier for me to use calendly use it like make a free calendly link send them the link and just say hey pick a time that works best for you and it'll be open on my calendar. So let's just find a time to connect. And, and that's just sometimes the easiest way to do it. I'm even thinking about using it after all this time is done. Yeah. So that we have the capability of, of still having that flexibility going forward. 
Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a curse and a blessing, I would say. <laughs> I mean, without further ado, I, I'd love to get started to talk a little bit sure. about you. I will formally introduce you. You did, you graduated to sales in 2007. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you also pursued uh, a master's of education at Lehigh University, uh, which mm-hmm. you finished in 2013. And now you're in Tennessee. So you went from Lehigh Valley uh, all the way to Tennessee as a director of development in ten- Tennessee's Technological University. Um, yep. so, yeah, you, you've been, um, and you are, I mean, when I talk to Kristen about you. In fact, I think she's the one that recommended me to talk to you. Involved, <laughs> like student with the sales. So you still are in touch with the sales community, which is wonderful. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to learn about your story. Absolutely. So, starting with your experience at the sales, right? It's uh, for anyone that's listening that uh, maybe is thinking about coming to the sales, any alumni mm-hmm. that want to reminisce a little bit about their the sales Gosh, experience. Yeah. Uh, first of what is what drove you to the sales and specifically to the major that you picked? So, okay, so I graduated high school in 2003, and I feel like I'm starting to age myself already because I'm pretty sure some of the kids that are going to college now were born around that time <laughs> or after, um, which is great. My original major that I had in my head in my, my like junior, senior year was I wanted to be an English teacher mm. and do the theater program. Like as that student activity on the side, because that's what I did when I was in high school. I was in I was in theater, and I was and I loved it so much. And some of my best friends still from high school to this day, we all were in high school. We were all in the theater program together. Mm-hmm. So DeSales is actually not my first pick. <laughs> okay. Um, when I first graduated, when I was about ready to graduate, um, we have we spend a lot of time in Ocean City, Maryland. Um, my family has a home, a second home there. We were, my grandmother bought it in like the sixties. So it's been in the family for a long time mm-hmm. and university of Maryland won the NCAA tournament. And I was like, that's where I want to go to school. And that's where I wanted to be. But of course they had a huge pop of people applying to go to UMD uh-huh. and uh, I did, I didn't get in, unfortunately. Mm. So the UMD was my top, top choice. I didn't get in, unfortunately. Um, but I, it was then I met my, I forget who, someone mentioned to me, you should look at DeSales University because they have a great theater program. And I said, okay. Mm-hmm. Of course, the day I went up, it was one of those, like we were just talking about how rainy and cold it is kind of there right now. That's yeah. exactly how it was oh. when I went for my first trip to campus. And I looked at my mom and I said, turn this car around. <laughs> I am not going here. Absolutely not. The dog that was taking us around said that she leaves on the weekends. There's nothing to do. And I'm like, no way am I am I coming here so but they did give us a free application you know they waived their application fee to apply so I applied I got in but in order to get into the theater program there you had to audition so the day I went up to audition of course it was the complete opposite gorgeous day nice and warm Uh sunny um I got to meet a lot of friends of mine that graduated with me in 2007 but also other surrounding classes that I now keep in touch with, they were all really open and really kind and, and friendly, ultimately. Um, so I did my audition and then I did an interview at admissions afterwards just to get it all done in one shot while we were up in Amazon. Sure. And then late, literally a week later, I got my acceptance letter and then I found that I had a scholarship, which oh, ultimately cool. for me was just like, okay, let's do it. Like that, that to me was, I got to meet some of the people and then 
it was okay. You're you're getting that additional financial support, which is big for my which is big for myself and my family. Gotcha. So started up there, and um, throughout my first semester, as much as I, I love the theater program and it's one of the top notch ones, I realized that's not what I wanted to do. Theater mm. became more of like a hobby and something to enjoy, and I'm like. I got to think what I want to, what do I want to do? Yeah. <laughs> what do I want to do with my life? Um, yeah. So I remember the guy I was dating at the time, I was sitting in comedy hall. It was in his room and I'm going through our course catalog, which at that point it was like a book or a newspaper. Yeah. I don't know if you guys still have the newspaper anymore, but that's what we did. We had the newspaper <laughs> uh-huh. for a course catalog and my buddy Brian is sitting next to me and I'm reading through some of the descriptions and public relations came up. And as I'm reading what the description is for the public relations class, I went, ah, that's it. That's what I want to do. Mm. And surely enough, the following for the first semester of my sophomore year, I switched over to communications, mm-hmm. um, which was great because you learn how to speak in public. You learn how to write press releases. You learn how to communicate effectively in teams and with colleagues. Um, and it wasn't until I th- it was probably the spring, the spring semester of my senior year and we graduated right before the economy tank in 2008. So I was lucky enough to have a job right after graduating. But I realized after being part of the senior class gift committee and raising money that fundraising was a job. And I'm like, why didn't anybody tell me this? Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was, uh, I had to wait probably a year, a little over a year until I got into higher ed and then get into fundraising and, and communications work. But that's that's kind of how the the college progression um went from after graduating over to right after college yeah of course it's so interesting first of all um the first impression of a college right when people Mm -hmm. are doing those college visits right now it's a little bit different I believe a lot of them are um online or virtual whatever that is but that first impression walking onto campus which we cannot control the weather and we cannot control um who gives us that tour you know hoping that even the podcast would be a good way to represent the sales university. Absolutely. And yeah. that's, and that's one thing. And that's one thing that if the weather is bad at a college that you're visiting, you recommend if you can, as long mm. as, as long as you're able to go back for a second try and go and yeah. visit again, when the weather is nice, when you can see everything, when you can see people walking around, um, because it, it, it does make a difference. It does. Yeah. And that obviously that picture of me going onto campus the first day when it was foggy and cloudy and rainy out, sticks in the back of my head still and it's yeah. been almost 15 years 15 20 years later so it, mm-hmm. it sticks with you but I, I will never forget meeting the theater department and the faculty and the other students and other and other classmates of mine and that that really sold me onto sales was the people and yeah. how friendly and open and and ultimately it's just a part of a family yeah it's a family atmosphere to sales and it, and it always has been and I still see it to this day. Um, and plus, and also, I will also say this, you know, when you're in college, it is what you make it. Yes, you're there to get an education, 110%. That's what you're there for. You're there to get that, that degree. However, be it, get involved. Get in, I mean, like, cause I, I'm, I'm going to go through the list of things that I went through and thank you for pulling it up because I might've forgotten a couple <laughs> <laughs> Like I was in, I was in student government for three years. I was secretary of SGA my senior year. I was the senior class gift chair for the class of 2007. I did the phone-a-thon, which was work study 
which then also ultimately opened the door for me to get into fundraising. Mm -hmm. uh, the students in free at enterprise. I was a character you peer mentor for the first year I got started and student activities crew. And with that, I got to meet a lot of students from a lot of different backgrounds Sure. in terms of majors, but I also got to be involved and be a student leader, which that stuff you, you can try and teach in the classroom, but you won't really get that unless that's an experience that you're, that you're able to get. And that ultimately is what it was. And I'm, I'm grateful for DeSales for the day for giving me those opportunities to be involved and to get that experience. Absolutely. And one question to you, um, Amanda, would be how did you balance um, regular classroom duties with homework, mm -hmm. group projects, and going to class versus all of the other commitments outside of school with SGA and all? Because it's, you know, I watch um, the people who are involved in SGA. They do a lot outside. They're in the office, like doing the events, like putting things together, planning the events, executing the events. And it's a lot. But how was that dynamic for you personally? It's our life. Yeah. So I get the SGA students. I get it. It really does become your life because you're so involved, not just with the activities that you're doing, but it's also your student leader. So faculty, the deans, staff, they'll come and ask you to participate in things because they know you're a leader and they can rely on you. And that's a great uh -huh. thing to have. Um, ultimately, my calendar was my best friend because I, I, I doubt you guys still get the, the printed student student planners anymore. Uh, no, we don't. I doubt y'all get that, but we did have student planners. And mm -hmm. at that point in time, that was my life had everything written down in it and, and it, I carried it with me in my bag everywhere I went. So anything that was due, anything that needed to happen, it went in there. Yeah. Um, and it's also deadlines for uh, or deadlines for projects, event stuff. Basically my whole, all the syllabi I got, I just took all the dates and plopped it into my calendar. Now uh, working in the, real, in, the real, in the real world, quote unquote, um, my phone, and my Outlook calendar has anything and everything you could imagine on there. Yeah. And if it's not, I tell, I tell my friends, I'm like, if it's not on there, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Or you forget there's certain, yeah. like if there's a certain um, documentary I want to watch, that's on, like, for example, soul of America is on ABC right now for the next six weeks. I put it on my calendar so I don't miss it. Like, yeah. and that's how, you know what I mean? So there's certain yeah. things like that, that I use um, to go by. And I, and this is probably the old school portion of me. Um, I, if there's a list of things I need to do for work, I I'm, I'm working from home right now. So it's kind of nice that I can, you know, have a little bit more flexibility, but I write down everything that I need to do for the next day on like a notepad or something like that, or I'll put it on my calendar and say, say like things to do and just yeah. making a running list. Yeah. So for y'all that have the electronic calendars, the Gmail calendar, whatnot, start doing that, get that into a habit now, because once you graduate, that's something that can easily move over into mm -hmm. your work life and your personal life too, going mm -hmm. forward. So I, I love that you say that it's such a skill that I don't see. I'm just like that. Like, I'm just like you, mm -hmm. everything you're saying is it's my normal day. Like I stick to my calendar for everything. I do the task list too, and it's mm -hmm. helping me, but I don't know, maybe I'm just assuming that people do it at the sales and maybe there isn't. And I think it's the greatest advice uh, because there's a difference between being busy and being productive, right? Like yes. 
you are you're oh I'm busy I have this class I have this I have to do this homework but you're you're doing the homework right and you spend two hours when you could really spend only an hour and time boxing has allowed me to do that say okay from six to seven right it's my power hour to do so in so in this homework or this mm-hmm. um you know this group project homework it's it's the way that um yeah in effectiveness and and a lot of people, right? A lot of different employers are looking for people who are very efficient in that sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and and, and it's, it's all about the balance. Um, yeah. And especially now that we're working remotely or you're doing mm-hmm. school remotely. Um, my husband has still been going into the office, of course, safe, socially safe distant, wearing masks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, and I, of course, Tennessee Tech is in Cookville, is in, is in Cookville, Tennessee, and it's on central time. I'm in eastern time here in Hickson, which is a suburb of Chattanooga. So I technically work until 5.30 Eastern, 4.30 Central, and sometimes it goes past it, but I have to make sure you cut that off so that your work, your work isn't bleeding over into your personal time yeah. as much as it needs to be, because you need to have that work-life balance. Yeah. And luckily, my office and my setup is in a separate part of the house mm-hmm. so it, which we which we rarely go into so <laughs> it's yeah. kind of nice that at the end of the day I can walk out of this room and I don't have to worry about you know going over to my laptop and checking my email when, or anything like that so and yeah. even when I get work emails on my phone unless it's from a donor that I need to respond to immediately I, I, I it, it pings and I'm like okay and then I just like remove the notification on it. So it is so, it's all about yeah. that balance. Yeah. Which is um, for some people has been harder when they have mm-hmm. their home. Like uh, right now I'm, you see, I'm in my bedroom, but yeah. I don't, I'm normal. I'm only on my bedroom during a recording because I, my, my, um, my office is too noisy. It's in like a loft area, but gotcha. I don't, I don't do homework here. I make sure I stay in the off in the office area because I want to be able to separate. Like my room is for recording podcasts and sleeping, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and I think it's, it's important that you, and it's important that you have that. And it's good that you have that. Uh, and people mm-hmm. need to take note of that, especially now for students who are uh, learning remotely right now, we have a hybrid program yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people are doing classes like in their bedroom. So it can be a little bit harder, like their bedroom yeah. and their bed and their desk, right in their dorm is like right next to each other. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. Go I get out, it. At least uh, maybe do, maybe take class at the library. and uh, Or yeah, library, um, slowly but surely as the vaccine gets, you know, released a little bit more, coffee shops will begin to open more. Yeah. You know, Panera. I mean, obviously you got to worry about the background noise, so I always recommend you have a good headset. Yes. That can, can, noise canceling headset if you're going to go out in public or even if you're, if you're at your home, if you have a deck and it's nice out and it didn't rain like 20 buckets of rain, like it did yesterday here in Tennessee, um, go out on your back deck, Yeah. do your homework out there or your, or your projects out there. Give yourself some, or go to a different part of your house Yeah. that you're not going to have the dogs or the kids or family members like running all over you and bothering you for it. Like make sure you, you separate that, that you find that space or even change up your space a little bit yeah. because you get a little bit of an itch to be like, okay, I've been staring at the same window all day. <laughs> yeah. I need to change the pace. So yeah. make sure you, you, you change it every once in a while just to give yourself a little bit of a different setting. Cause that's, that's also good for you too. Absolutely. Wonderful. 
Uh, so moving on to like the other set of questions I wanted to ask you sure. about experience um, and the difference between experiential learning, right, and the perks of that mm-hmm. versus um, just in-classroom learning. You had told me that you did an internship uh, during one of your summers. So tell me a little bit about your internships during college and how those experiences were. Um, and yeah, some things that you learned through those experiences that you didn't necessarily learn in the classroom. So... For communications major, I believe you needed to have two internships. That's probably changed. Mm-hmm. But I know at least my requirements, I needed two internships. So for my one of my first internships, I was in the public relations office at the sales. And I was learning the ins and outs of what public relations is, how to write a press release, how to look for clippings that have the word to sales in it. Or um, I also helped out with one of the lectures I think it was either, it was either Furphy or Marcon. It was one of the two. I can't think of it right now, but I was able to interview uh, Frank DeFord, who has since passed away, um, but was one of our our major uh, sports journalists of our day. So there's certain things like that, that, that really give you that real life experience, especially, and it was nice. I lived in Chapuy, so I could just walk downstairs and I was in university. advancement. So it was, it was, some of those days were really nice where I'm like, nah. <laughs> really, I'm just going to put my hair up in, the, in a ponytail and, and be good for the day. Um, but <laughs> Penny Savakis was the director of PR at that point, And she was, she was so great. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm gracious for her and the time and the, and the lessons that she, she gave me um, that kind of prepared me for at least the writing part and at least having a basic sense of what public relations is all about. Cause that really is helpful now in my role in fundraising. Um, my other internship that I did, um, as I mentioned earlier, family has a shore house outside of Ocean City, Maryland called Ocean Pines, which is its own community. And they were looking for an events intern to be paid for my junior going into my senior year of college. Mm-hmm. So I just turned 21 and I was in Ocean City, Maryland. Not a bad idea. <laughs> and uh-huh. So in that internship, it was every day and I got paid. Um I would be helping out with the summer camp. I would be doing summer events. I was doing birthday parties. Um, I was helping out with some of the 4th of July stuff that they did. Mm. So it, it, you get, it gave you an aspect of, again, how to balance your schedule and how to make sure that you don't forget anything or drop anything. Because I also had another part-time job working as a hostess at one of our local restaurants. So it was really being like, okay, what days can I work at the restaurant versus you know, being in Parks and Rec, or what do I need to make sure I'm balancing out in my schedule? So I think I had one day off a week, which was Sunday, but that was great because normally that's my day to rest, recoup, do laundry, go to the beach if I wanted to. Um, So there was that balance, but you learn a lot and you learn how to work with others, especially in a camp counselor setting with other lifeguards, with other community members, Um, customer service was huge. So that's something else that we really, I, I was able to learn from that. Um, and, and it's just, I mean, if you can get paid for it, great. Like yeah. it, it has an extra bonus. So like I was able to save a lot of that money, obviously, because I got to live for free at the family, at my family's house. But yeah. if you're able to, I mean, cause, and that money is helpful. And I remember Jerry Joyce always telling us, I think it was, I think it was, it was it's during the Bulldog Bash usually. And <laughs> Jerry tells, Jerry tells the incoming kids, get a job this summer. So you have some extra money to use 
when you're on campus in the fall. And I know all the parents applauded that. So that's something yeah. that's always sticks in my head. I'm like, okay, but you get a summer job. You have some extra cash to use going forward into the school year. So, um, but those were just things that, again, you learn a lot from. Um, but it gives you that experience. And especially if you're graduating and you're going into, you're graduating this year and you're, or you're planning on graduating, having those internships on there are so important for employers to see that you do have some real life experience and you just haven't been doing student government, SGA, student government, yeah, student government, you know, student activities, SIF, whatever. It's that good balance yeah. that you need to have on your resume. Uh-huh. I couldn't agree more. I'm a big advocate for that experiential learning. Mm-hmm. One, because I, that's my personality. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's, I'm very much um, a hands-on learner. Um, learn through trial and error, learn through people. That's why this mm-hmm. podcast was like, um, in essence, like what I wanted to do um, because like I have learned so much from all of you uh, lovely mm-hmm. alumni who have so much to offer to us. And I'm really, really, you know, my hope is that um, that if there are other students that are listening that are, you know, that are equally mm-hmm. as invested as I am in lo- knowing your story and learning from you guys. But yeah, like absolutely what you're saying, finding that experiences, uh, those experiences to enrich you, your perspective in the real world and what's yep. happening in each ecosystem, work ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, you know, learn those transferable skills. Like even absolutely, you'll be surprised. Like I'm sure you, you can tell, you'd be surprised at the things you have learned at SGA that you're like, I still use that type of like work, you know, dynamic, or I still, you know, um, you know, the way I communicate with somebody, like it's the same way I used to communicate with certain yeah. people at the sales. So, you know, it's yeah. so, it's absolutely. So- Absolutely. And, it, and it's so funny because it, 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 it's, it's so funny because now I think back and I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I would have handled this differently, what I would have learned, you know, going forward. And some some of it took me into, you know, now my 30s uh, to realize what I needed to learn. And some of it was I want to say confrontation, but like person to person, like conflict. Like if you have a problem with somebody, whether it's in the office or whatnot, just pull them aside and talk to them. One on one, or message them through Zoom, or message them through Teams, or whatnot. Nine times out of ten, it's a miscommunication. Yeah. And if you're professional and you're coming from it from a good place, it's going to change. It, 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 a, that person's going to have respect for you for going in and talking to somebody, and you're going to feel better because you actually handled. A somewhat a certain confrontation on your own mm-hmm. that wasn't it wasn't really meant to be a confrontation and yeah. it, it, I sadly admit it took me almost 30 some odd years to learn this yeah and it was one of my co-workers now who has become one of my dearest friends and she just told me she's like yeah I just went up to her and just talked to her because I was like you know what I'm old enough I can do this and I went yeah. you know what if you're old enough to do this I'm old enough to do this and and yeah. I really do try now to do that going forward and it, it, it's, it's something that I wish I learned sooner, but because mm-hmm. of those internships and your jobs or co-ops that you have, you will learn how to work with other people going forward yeah. throughout that. And it's, it's just something that I, I, I I'm, again, sad it took so long to learn that, but yeah, nine times out of 10, it's a miscommunication. And sometimes you just need to talk through it with people. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I so agree with you. Um, I'm still learning, obviously I'm young and, but those 
that I have had to have certain difficult conversations in the workplace or even mm-hmm. in real life. Uh, and it, it, oh, it's yeah. definitely something that you have to uh, learn how to communicate well uh, in, a, in a way that you are um, not breaking those relationships because, you know, mm-hmm. the work, the work relationships that you have are very essential to the job that you do. Mm-hmm. Like teamwork mm-hmm. makes the dream work and you, yeah, you should learn you, that. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have to be friends with everyone. Exactly. People, everybody thinks you need to be friends. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to be friends with everyone, but you at least need to work together. And there's a certain level of professionalism and, and I use the word kindness because we use that a lot at Tennessee Tech. Um, you have to have that balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, life is all about balance is what I've been learning. And you got to make sure you have that when you're working with people that you don't get along with or you have different points of view on things because you're going to be working with people with all different backgrounds. Absolutely. And, and that is something that those co-ops and those internships and mm-hmm. your summer jobs, that's going to provide you that experience that you need. In order to in order to go forward and to be successful in your career, working with different people. So, tell me about your first job. I know we talked a little bit about it, um, mm-hmm. just about your whole story. But on our pre-call, and you had mentioned like the first job right after college wasn't necessarily the best experience uh, for you. How yeah. would you say? Tell us a little bit about that, and tell us how you would say that it wasn't a good fit for you and things that you learned from that experience. Sure, sure. So I worked as a human resources marketing representative for a counseling center that is no longer in existence from my understanding um, in Bethlehem, on the north side of Bethlehem, right next door to Moravian's football field. And um, it was, I would say probably within the first month, I was just like, not a good fit, not a good fit. This, mm. is, not, this is not working. Like bells and whistles were going off in my head. Like This is not working. Um, and the one thing that I I knew I needed to at least do is to get that first year of experience under my belt. So take what I could from this role. And even if you're at a job that you don't like, learn what you don't like about it. Is it the culture? Is it the actual work itself? Is it some of the people that you're working with? Is it the salary? I mean, I had paychecks bouncing. Like that's how drastic this place was and Mm. and how like uncertain, the uncertainty too. So it was a really uncomfortable place for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's okay if you're in a job that you don't like. And as long as you know what you don't like, what you don't like about it. And then when you go to your next role, you kind of, when you're doing your, you're also interviewing the other, the other organization that you're going into. So ask those questions that made you feel uncomfortable in this role. Ask certain questions about, about that. So, you know, what's your culture like? How's, you know, if it's a smaller organization, you know, what is your endowment? What is your, what is your annual revenue coming in? And those are fair questions to ask mm-hmm. when you're trying to figure out if this place is a good fit for you or not. Sure. So I, I would definitely say if you're in a, if you're in a role, especially your first year out of college, and you don't like it, it's okay you don't like it. You don't need to stay there forever. Yeah. Um, you learn what learn what you can, both the positive and the negative, and then and then move on from there. Take those lessons and move and move forward with them. Because yeah. those again, that that kind of provided me a basis of okay, I know I want to make sure I get paid and not have to worry about a paycheck bouncing. I want to make sure I'm in a good culture of people that support me and I support them and we're teammates um 
and I, I, I'm, I'm, I, but I did the part that I did like was going out and meeting with other people to talk about the organization and then recruiting, recruiting more counselors to the center. So there's a big balancing effect of what I did like versus what I didn't like for my first job. Yeah. And how, so just kind of fast forwarding um, to now, right? How were you able to find this new job at Tennessee mm-hmm. University? Um, technical University, not Tennessee University. Just call it Tennessee Tech. That's Tennessee fine. Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech is fine. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, like what what dro- drove you to accept this job that you are right. in right now? Sure. So I'll, 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 I'll go through a little bit. So after I left the Counseling Center, I got picked up by Lehigh University yeah. doing communications and a little bit of development work in industrial and systems engineering. And I am forever grateful for Lehigh for hiring me to do that and the department head that hired me because they provided me such a basis that I don't think they even realized to this day that they gave me because now to I learned how to talk with again people that are different from me all different all people from all over the world that come to this university to teach and do research and I had that opportunity to meet with them and talk with them but also they are very STEM engineering oriented I am not so therefore, we had to find a bridge of, and I had to ask the right questions. And luckily, I had some phenomenal folks in the, in the communications office um, at the dean's level for the College of Engineering and then um, at the development level that really trained me and prepared me for my job today. Mm. Um, so I, I'm forever grateful for them. But they really taught, taught me how to communicate effectively with engineers or people that have the real science STEM heavy. Yeah area versus the people like me that I do not so it was how to what questions do you need to ask what are the right questions you need to ask what follow-up questions do you need to ask so from Lehigh um I then went to Immaculata University for just under six months for just about six months um doing mostly annual giving so it was phonathon it was leadership giving it was appeals I was doing all I was doing a lot of that um, and then my now husband, who I met at Lehigh, he got picked up by um, Adelphi University out on Long Island. So then we were moving to Long Island, New York. <laughs> again, very different. Um, yeah. I, got, I then got a job at um, Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, which I love taking the train in every day. Because cool. that was nice. Because you could sit on the train and go to sleep and not have to worry about anything on the Long Island Railroad, hopefully. Wow. Um, but then, and, 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 you know, and, and every job between those two jobs, I learned what I liked and I learned what I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my husband got offered a position at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And after, before, before he accepted it, he went down and interviewed and I asked him what it was like. And he said, really reminded him of the Lehigh Valley. Mm. Uh, we had a lot of manufacturing and r- the railroad that came through here. Mm-hmm. several years ago and obviously it is left similar to Bethlehem when Bethlehem Steel closed and it had to reform its identity so I said to my husband okay let's go <laughs> so <laughs> I was I was I was done living in New York at that point I'm like let's go so we so we moved down here in 2014 and I started looking um obviously in Chattanooga and then maybe a little bit more in the surrounding area which there really isn't necessarily like the quote like Nashville's two hours Atlanta's two hours Tennessee Tech is about an hour and a half from where I am uh-huh. so I was looking on higheredjobs.com which I recommend to anybody at any level of your career if you're looking for a job in higher ed they have positions at in all different uh, from marketing to research to athletics 
they have everything posted. So I looked on there and I stumbled across Tennessee Tech and they were looking for a fundraiser for their College of Engineering. And I applied and I remember on Christmas Eve, my then boss gave me a call and offered me the job. Yeah. And I was like, why are you working on Christmas Eve was my first question. <laughs> but I appreciate the call. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I then I then started in uh, February of 2015. And so far, I'm on year six. Wow. already. Uh, my portfolio has changed. I just don't have engineering now. I have agriculture and human ecology, which is again, I, I work with those faculty and it, tell them, explain to me what this water basin does and explain to me why certain cows are better than others. Like just explain that stuff to me because I don't know. And they're more than willing to do that because they're teachers. Yeah. They're more willing to teach people about what they know and it's their expert area. Um, but also their diversity initiative as well, which I've been fundraising for, which raises funds for minorities to come to tech because tech only has about 12% of a minority mm-hmm. um, student population. We're looking to grow that. Um, so that's been something that I've so enjoyed fundraising for. Um, wow. But that's that's how I got that's how I got to tech, and that's how. Yeah. And it goes by fast. The older you get, time goes a lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I, I would. My mom tells me that all the time. And then for me, I'm like, I just want to graduate college. I want to have that. No, but no, I, but, but no, I, don't do it. That's don't, exactly I, what my mom <laughs> says. She's like, enjoy the time where you can just learn, yeah. like be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Lehigh, I got my master's degree from Lehigh, so I was working full-time and then classwork was part-time, and it, it's a, it's different, and I would recommend if you can get your master's degree for free anywhere, do it, get it done, and yes, just do it, because you will then have that degree wherever you go, uh-huh. and um, in my master's degree program at Lehigh, besides learning about, you know, the education system, it was also how to be a good leader. Mm. in an education setting or a higher ed setting or in a public, a, non-profit, a non-profit forum. For so sure. It, it, it's transferable skills that I can use now going forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. That's one of another leadership is a great transferable skill that we should mm-hmm. be stepping towards every day, every, every experience that we get, we should just become better leaders, learn from others. Tell us a little bit about your um, not very popular career field, which is fundraising management in that mm. role specifically. Um, what are some things or responsibilities that you do in the job? Um, if anyone mm. like, you know, maybe there is somebody in SGA right now or, or in a similar like, um, mm-hmm. fee, uh, you know, role at the sales that maybe that might be a good fit for them. Uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about the responsibilities of your job right now. So, and it's funny when I talk to folks around campus, they're like, you have one of the heart, you guys have, and I mean, myself and my other coworkers uh, that are in the development, which are the frontline fundraisers, mm-hmm. um, you guys have some of the hardest jobs because you ask people for money. And yeah. I'm like, yes. So you need to be comfortable asking people for money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to tell you, if you're built, it's a relationship business mm-hmm. that we're in. We are the go-between between the alumni, the donor, the company, the foundation, the, the family, the friends, between us, and, and we're trying to connect them through us to the organization and to the area that they want to support. Okay. So nine times out of 10, if you've done your job correctly and you've worked with your donors and you've connected them to the right people on campus and you put them on advisory boards, um, you connect them to students, you have them speaking classes, they're going, it, the ask, them for the gift should be very relatively easy and I'm getting to a point now that I've been in this role now for six years I can have those comfortable conversations with a lot of my donors and say 
hey, your pledge is coming up. It, you know, it's coming to a close. We have President's Club, which is $1,000 a year for 10 years. Your pledge is coming up to a close, you know, and I know we've talked about doing an endowment. Are you guys ready to do that or ready to renew or would you like to renew your pledge? You know, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And, and they'll give you an honest opinion. And, they'll, and my, the alums on our boards know when Amanda's calling, she's coming to meet with us and talk to us about giving gifts. And that's, and that's what it is. Yeah. Um, in terms so in managing, managing them, I have a portfolio of about 175 family, like families, mm-hmm. if you will, um, that I work with, that I connect with. Um, I meet with that. I have, so there's certain metrics that you have to hit usually. Um, so for us, it's like 120 visits a year, which sounds like a lot, but it's only 12 to 15 visits per month. Um, it's about 12 proposals of about a proposal per, per a month. And then you bring in a certain dollar amount, depending on what happened previously in the previous year and comparing it to, okay, who am I going to ask for gifts this year? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's managing your portfolio. It's managing your time. Mm-hmm. It's managing the relationship that you have with those academic leaders. So I work with two deans, a vice president, and uh, a director, multiple director of multicultural affairs. And every single one of them is different <laughs> when yeah. it comes to when it comes to how do they want to be communicated by who, how, what, when do they want their meetings? Like there's certain <laughs> sure. That, you know, you need to be able to not only have that relationship with the donors, but have the relationship with that dean or faculty member or vice president and then their office staff so you can get onto their calendar. You have to also have that relationship with the deans or the vice presidents, admins and their staff so they you they can help you do your job and vice versa. Yeah. I get calls and questions from them all the time. And if I can't get them the answer, I send them to the person that can. Gotcha. So it's a very much a relationship, not again, not just with your donors, mm-hmm. but it's also with the faculty staff that are in those units that you are also supporting as yeah. well. So that's, I mean, it says it's not popular. Um, again, I think, I think the biggest, the, what you're, what you're going out to do. And I tell my new fundraisers this all the time, you're going out there to ask for money. Maybe not during the first visit, maybe not during the second. But at some point, you have to ask them for a gift. Yeah. And if you've done your job, well, if you've done your job well, and you've gotten them connected, and you have that relationship with them, having that conversation won't be as awkward. Mm-hmm. And if again, if you keep connecting with them, you keep them engaged, that won't be their last gift. Yeah. I've had donors now that have finished their initial pledges uh, for an endowment um, that had told me during lunch, like, okay, we're ready for our next gift, which was bigger than their first one. Wow. So, it, and, and that, and it's really transformational when you see these gifts coming in, especially where it's going to impact students on those scholarships, on programming support, on research, yeah. um, you know, raising money for a new building. Like we needed to have a, a match by our state to get a new building off the ground. Mm. And we were able to get it because of our generous donors and the connections we have with them. Awesome. So it's, 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 it's so fulfilling too. Yeah. When you see your donors and they meet their students and it, it, it's just fulfilling all the way around. And, and I would say if it's, if you're scared about, I think there's always going to be a little bit of fear asking for money. Cause you want to be like, yes! like you want to parade after yeah. you pay. You're going to always have that little butterflies mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's yeah. okay. But the more you ask and the more you have those conversations, the more you get to a style you like, it'll be easier to have, to have that conversation with people. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, there you have it, folks. If you are looking, this is, you know, in this into this career field. Um, yeah, it sounds like it's 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 something that builds you character and and you have, you know, good relationships. Thank you for sharing that that detail like explanation of what the job is and what it requires out of you, what the demand for from you is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just um, as a wrap-up question, we always ask um, our alumni for just some advice for any current students or anyone maybe that have graduated and are, you know, thinking about um, jobs that they might, might want to get into. Um, mm-hmm. but, but for specifically, I want to ask you um, about advice for communication students. Um, mm-hmm. what, are some, what is some advice that you would give them um, in terms of how to use their degree or things that they should be focusing on while they're in college? Yeah, I would. So for communications majors, it's a little bit like a chameleon because almost every office has a chameleon, like every office has a communications office, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing that I would tell communications majors is to be persistent. Don't give up. It can be a little disheartening sometimes when you go to a career fair and I'm like, there's nothing here for me, but I, yeah, you gotta, you gotta stay persistent. You have to keep going, especially during this pandemic, as we start to come out of it, more things are going to come through, more things are going to happen. So stay persistent, make your network, continue to work wherever you can right now. Um, and if you can do even if you can even help out a nonprofit in your area with some communications work or some design stuff, just to have something under your belt for the time being, if you can't find something, that's gonna go really far. But I also think with with the current students now, there is a there is a, a resilience that the class of 2020, 2021, and others are going to have. Yes, going 100%. forward. Yeah, which, and, and I keep telling donors this. I'm like, these students are going to have a resilience that we never had to deal with when we were in college. Uh huh. So that's something that I, I, I really do think that guys use that resilience. Um, you have a great alumni network that is here to help you, yeah, and that is here to support you and answer any questions you may have or need advice. Um. And then ultimately, when you're able to start, start supporting the alma mater that gave you that degree that's hanging on your wall. Mm-hmm. Make that 25 buck gift. Make that $20 gift. Yeah. Give it back to you. Give it back to your home department. Where, or if you were on a sports team, you can give it to athletics. Because yeah. you, that is just, a, in my personal opinion, that's a thank you for all that they've given to us mm-hmm. over the year past several years at, at the sales. So that's. That's the encouragement. And again, anybody can reach out to me if they have any questions or need any advice or anything like that. More than willing to help out. Well, finally, um, I want to thank you again, Amanda, for this lovely conversation that we've had. And like, you know, we talk about donating to your alma mater. And, you know, to me, you're donating your time and your valuable word. And that I'm so grateful for. I'm so grateful that you're able to, you know, be open about the you know, the things that you have learned, because like I said, uh, as this resilient uh, class that we are right now in generation, um, the best thing to be in the lookout for is ways that we can bounce back after this economic, you know, depression, you know, or in, in like, you know, hiring freezes and all that stuff. There is stuff out there. And we just got to be, you know, smart enough to, to find the opportunity. 
thank you so much for having me and for yeah. having me on here. And again, if anybody has any questions or if they need to reach out to me, find me on LinkedIn or, you know, Carla has my email. So if you need to get in touch with me that way, that's probably the best way to do it. Absolutely. And you are also, you're also a DSU mentor. And at yes. the end, we share ways that people, students can get connected with our DSU mentor. So they will see your name and awesome. see you more. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thanks, Carla. Appreciate your time. Yes, you too. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Thank you once again for tuning in to today's episode of Beyond the Tassel. It is our pride to present the success stories of our DeSales alumni via a podcast. If you are a DeSales alumni and would like to become a TSU mentor, you can contact melanie.valone at desales.edu. And if you are currently a DeSales student and would like to connect with an alumni in your field, you can contact kathy.kraus at desales.edu. Until next time, Bulldogs.